Hey y'all. Before we get to the episode, we wanted to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Learn more by visiting podvoices.help. If you are able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today we're talking about season 6, episode 25, Smashed. Mary, what happened this week? Rush reminds us that Steve has little brothers and also he has to babysit them. Steve doesn't want to because he's throwing a big party at Casa Walsh. He does a horrible job of keeping an eye on Austin and Ryan, who sneak and steal so many drinks over the course of the night. Ryan ends up with alcohol poisoning, and Rush yells at Steve. Tara's out of rehab now and has nowhere else to go but the beach house with Kelly, who swears it's just for a couple of weeks. Donna and Claire are barely comfortable with this, and Kelly makes it worse by letting Tara drink all of Claire's juice on the same day Donna used the last of Claire's conditioner. Kelly brings Tara along to Steve's party and lets her wear her brand new dress and favorite necklace. Tara couldn't be happier until she realizes Kelly also invited not Dr. Greg. Val breaks it to Colin that he's really definitely going to prison whether or not he decides to take his case to trial. But then she's like, hey, there's this party with all these people who hate you. Let's spend some of the rest of your freedom doing that. Though Colin wants to blow blow it off, he agrees to go and runs into Kelly. They talk, and guys, it hasn't been his week, his month, or even his year. Kelly sympathizes with him, but hasn't quite forgiven him yet. Val gets all mad that Colin talked to Kelly, and Colin assures her that he really loves her, and it's totally not because Val spent all that money on him. Donna helps David film the party, and kind of neglects Joe, but eventually she sees how bored he looks and spends some time with him. Also, Brandon and Susan are there. I have so many comments about everything you just said. (laughs) Like, so many. Man, it's almost like we should have a podcast episode about this episode. (laughs) Oh my god, should we? I think we should. Like, it's not that hard to start, right? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Let's have a podcast. Cool. So, yeah, because the episode opens with, like, if we remember, I think it was last week, Kelly was like, yeah, Tara's going to stay for stay with us, but it's just going to be for, like, the night, and then she's going to go back to rehab. Yeah. And now Tara's out of rehab, and Kelly's like, no, Tara's going to live with us, because if we don't, she'll be on the streets. Right. And, like, Claire is somewhat on board, because I think she's, like, empathetic, Donna is just like, no, like, this is our apartment, especially when Kelly's like, oh, it would just be for a couple of weeks. 
it's the what you said like she's like living with them that that's what it is it's not just like she's staying or she's bunking or whatever you want to call it it's like no no she's living with them yeah like i think i would say like a week is an extended vacation mm-hmm. two weeks i'm gonna start getting annoyed three weeks we're gonna start discussing how much rent you're paying right right and like if you drink my juice you should replace my juice Definitely. And, like, apparently Kelly is – well, we know Kelly is super, like, almost motherly toward Tara because she's like, Mm -hmm. oh, Tara is so young and she has nowhere to go. She knows about her family or friend situation. And so she's going to bat for Tara for sure. But also she's saying, like, this really would be temporary because the – I guess the rehab facility or whatever is trying to get her into a rooming house, which I guess the hospital works with probably almost like a halfway house, I would assume. Yeah. And, but Kelly's almost saying like, Oh no, I really want Tara here. So it's not just, Oh, I'm trying to have Tara stay here. It's like, no, I really want her here, which like we've been saying, this is an inappropriate relationship between two people that were formerly, you know, like substance abusers. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the same cycle that we've seen with Kelly, unfortunately, where, you know, she's at a really low point in her life and someone comes into her life that, you know, shouldn't be there, as we very plainly find out later in this episode. Mm -hmm. And she just latches on and it doesn't matter what anybody outside of like that bubble is doing. She's like, no, I need Tara and Tara needs me. Yeah. And they even like cut to credits when she says that they're like you need to know what's happening pay attention to this mm-hmm. and then we cut past the credits and steve and claire are in bed setting up the rest of the episode for us yes because there's a party tonight because apparently steve still throws parties yeah like we glazed past his probation or whatever it was. And even if, like, legitimately we were a year removed, I'd still be like, Steve, you have not learned your lesson. Like, <laughs> absolutely not. And considering the last party they had at Casa Walsh at the beginning of this season, I'd be like, absolutely yeah. not. You cannot use my house. Ever. Yeah, for sure. And, like, that's the thing, too. It's not like this is a random house that Steve, Brandon, and Val went in on. No, this is like Brandon's not childhood home, but you know, high school home that he I guess he's having to pay the mortgage on. Unclear. Very <laughs> unclear what's happening here. Yeah. I mean but the important thing is, is that Nat is catering. <laughs> Nat has to have a purpose at all times. <laughs> I mean, it's very like I have to feed these kids and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. I'm also surprised that he didn't show up to this party and do like a I'm very disappointed in you like he did at the last party at Casa Walsh. Because did he do that to Brandon last time? I think so. I think he brought in food or like stopped by for some other reason and then was just like this isn't you. Yeah, I think it was Brandon then. I think it was and Who else I could... is held up to a pedestal like that? <laughs> no one. No one yeah. at all. Because, <laughs> I mean, so back in bed, Steve is trying to get Claire to skip classes with him. And I 
I got to admit, I am a little surprised that this made it on TV, this little, like, exchange yes. between the two of them. Because Claire goes, well, I have this thing called a conscience. And Steve goes, well, I have this thing called a – and then she cuts it off and he goes, hold that thought. And he goes, I was kind of hoping you'd hold it. Right? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> but I guess it lands because, like, if any other couple, it wouldn't, right? But, like, Mm-mm. Steve and Claire, like, yes, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, like, I could see Brandon and Susan doing something similar, but, like, not not this. Yeah, agreed. Like, <sighs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of what Brandon and Susan would do because it would be more fade to black mm-hmm. than it would be for Steve and Claire. But even like, because even still, Steve and Claire just use words and mm-hmm. innuendo. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's like when Brandon says, "Like, yeah, Susan made me make the bed three times." Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's very like vague, that. sort it's, of pointing to it. Yeah, it's much more like wordplay versus like. I'm just going to not say the word penis, yeah. but we all know it was there. <laughs> right. And then we cut over to Val, who is at a lawyer's office. And all I wrote in my notes was, why doesn't Colin go to these meetings? Right? Especially now that he's not detained. Well, and there's like client lawyer privilege. Like I know Val's the one paying, but Colin's the client. Right? Right. Exactly. Even if she were his, like, I don't know, not, what's the word I'm looking for? It's that thing of when you're not, like, a legal guardian, but you're yeah, the supplier of money, I guess. Like, n- beneficiary is, like, would be Colin's benefactor. You know. Yeah. Maybe that's it. That sounds I don't right. know. Now I'm just thinking of great expectations. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like, yeah, even if like Val were like the keeper of the money, it still pertains to Colin. So you would think he would at least like attend the meetings because it's literally about his case. Yeah. Well, because the lawyer says like, we have something we can work with. He's still going to have to serve time. These are his options. And, you know, basically comes down to he should plead guilty because – He'll be in minimum security for a maximum of three mo- or of six months versus mm-hmm. if he goes to trial and all of the obvious evidence, like the car chase on the six o'clock news, gets yeah. played in court, he could go for three years. Like, I feel like Colin should be there to be like, yes, I will plead guilty. Or even if he wasn't going to say that, even if he was going to argue against it, it wouldn't be like from Val it would be literally like here are my reasons why I would like to fight this like da 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 so the attorney could literally tell Colin no sir you had cocaine on your person in the car you drove in a getaway fashion you know fleeing from the police up and down I whatever in LA evading police like literally all the things that the attorney says here is like what we talked about last episode about like this is the hard evidence. Like, how, mm-hmm. you, you are not escaping this. Like, it's it's way too much comedy for this show, but nothing would have made me happier if Colin was in this meeting and was like, I can fight this. And the lawyer was just like, let's go to the tape, shall we? <laughs> yeah. And just, like, pointed and was like, that one's a felony. 
there's a felony. There's a felony. Even if he pulled out like, I don't know, like poster board and had like one of those like pointer things, you know, just like tap. Here's the evidence against you. (laughs) It's like a whiteboard. It's like he's doing Mm -hmm. a play. Exactly. Like, here's what we're going to run. Yeah. But no, Colin's not here. And for some reason, the lawyer tells Val that she has to sell his client on why he should plead guilty. Right. Which, if anybody can, Val can. Oh, for sure. Like, I know exactly what the show is doing. Yeah. They they need Val to be here, and they need the lawyer and the money to beat the thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's Kelly. With Dr. Greg. Med student Greg. I'm a Greg med student. <laughs> so he apparently loves peds. Which, good for him, he's found his specialty. (laughs) I hate that word. Peds? Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I get totally get why. And and especially if you think about, like, so in America, not that this is the same thing as a pediatrician (laughs) at all. So, (laughs) this is a bad, anyway. (laughs) In America, we call it pedophile. But in England, they call it pedophile. So I, whenever I say peds, I think of pedophile, which is so the wrong thing to call it. <laughs> well, and he's a med student flirting <laughs> with his, you know, former patient. So, like, mm-hmm. he is inappropriate. Right. Like, not an age issue here, but, like, no. definitely, we've talked about it before. It's It's like a control power issue like this man met her in a position of power and therefore they should not be together but inappropriate relationships mean nothing to them because kelly's like oh yeah tara's staying with me and he thinks that's just great like he does mention like hey they can get really intense like these kinds of relationships and i'm like sir what are you doing? Like the fact that you're even having this conversation means that you're not taking your own advice, but yes, you're, you're right. And you don't realize that you should take your own advice basically. Yeah. I mean, he clearly like believes it enough to say it, but not enough to be like, you should really reconsider your decisions. Oh, and also we shouldn't speak anymore. Right. Instead, she invites him to the keg party when he like pushes for a date again and mm-hmm. he accepts like he's like oh okay cool what's interesting though is like and, and granted this is very th- this is showing its time period right because if you think about it like i don't know if you guys ever read the book modern romance that aziz ansari did not in a long time and, but yeah yeah and so he talks about just like the evolution of like romantic relationships over time. And speaking of like, of course, back in the 50s, 60s, things like that, you tend to date and start relationships with people you either live nearby to or people that you worked with. And so like your community was so, so small. So the chances of you finding a husband or a wife, you know, outside of that like intimate group was very, very small. So I feel like in this show, they're very much leaning into proximity. And mm-hmm. and then like like we've talked about trauma bonding before and just shared experiences because it's like think about it. Brandon gets with Susan at the newspaper. 
because they both mutually like work there. You know, Ke- like Kelly is now getting with Dr. almost Dr. Greg because she was in rehab and he was there. So the proximity, like because they don't have social media and they don't have other means to like find people or meet people, they end up dating people they literally are inhabiting next to. Does that mean that Claire and Steve's relationship is incredibly progressive because they technically switched to, like, romantic opinions about each other when they met in a chat room? I mean, I think so. I mean, it just so happened that they were part of the same friend group, but they initially were attracted, quote-unquote, to each other because of their online profile. Oh my gosh, they're so progressive. (laughs) So after Kelly finally invites almost Dr. Greg to the keg party. She's the whole reason she's even there is to go get Tara. Right. So she ends up, I guess, leaving him and Tara is just waiting on the bed with her bag. Totally just here. I'm here. Pick me up. It's, it's very sad little kid of like, what if they don't come get me? Yeah, very much. So like at this point I am still, you know, I'm a little sus of Tara because of, like, the music cues that we've seen and her just, like, running away from rehab and being like, I couldn't be there without you. Like, that made me nervous. Mm-hmm. But in scenes like this where she's just like, I I was worried you were going to change your mind and leave me. Yeah. Like, that makes me sad. And that makes me, like, feel like there's something in Tara that is interesting to watch on TV. Yeah. Like, I want to know more about it. And I, I enjoy it as backstory. Yeah. I, I mean, for sure. Because, like, she also talks about, like, af- you know, she's afraid she's going to impose on the roommates and going to annoy mm-hmm. them and things like that. And I think those are extremely normal feelings. And when I say normal, I just mean, like, commonplace, right? Like, all of us, when, you know, being around certain people and their friend group we're always like, oh gosh, I hope I'm not annoying. That's a mm-hmm. very common, common is more of the word rather than normal, common emotion to feel when you're being in the situation like this. But I think the difference is, yeah, that she has a lot of, um, a lot of trauma from her background. She has a lot of stuff that she hasn't dealt with. And so mm-hmm. while yes, it's a normal emotion, she's also like got the abandonment issue too. So it's the insecurity mixed with the self-doubt mixed with the abandonment all mixed together is a little concerning. Yeah. And I just got to say, you know, we always talk about how we love a villain because they're a complex character. Like, yeah, these are the basic ingredients. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's and it's real, right? Yeah. It's like because all like I just said, like all of these emotions, all of these feelings any one of us could feel at any point in time. So the fact that she has almost like all of them all into one, that's almost what makes her a villain because it's like, she's human here. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Cause the thing is like, you know, everyone can relate to these emotions. It's how you react to them. Right. For sure. Like, you know, not to make a Supergirl reference, but Lex and Lena basically go through the same childhood and have the same, like, emotional abuse not the same but like they're in the same emotionally abusive household Mm -hmm. and they grow up together and then they completely split where Lex tries to take over the world and Lena's trying to save it 
100%. Yeah, Lex becomes a freaking sociopath, and Lena's like, no, I want to be an agent of good. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, God bless her. Yeah, you're welcome. I did that for you. <laughs> Any and chance me. to bring up Lena Luther is fine by me. I know. Oh, yes. <laughs> but anyway, we see that Val has gotten back to Casa Walsh, and... She starts filling Brandon in about what's going on with Colin. And Brandon makes this comment of, I guess you got to commit murder to get away with anything in this town, which, damn. Is that an OJ reference? It has to be, right? I have to assume it is. Yeah. Because, like, Colin's whole how he got arrested was very OJ. So I assume they're, like, keeping up with that. They probably remembered the, like, OJ reference they made, like, a season and a half mm-hmm. ago, and we're just like, we gotta just, like, let's just keep mm-hmm. it going. It's fine. And, I mean, it was major news at the time, so I totally oh, yeah. get it. But, like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Brandon was, like, on his laptop, not even looking up, and was just like, I guess you gotta commit murder to get away with anything in this town. <laughs> like, he's barely reacting, like, barely emoting to anything just like keeping the conversation going like almost like it's second nature to him Mm -hmm. until Val says that she wants to bring Colin to the party tonight yes he immediately like Brandon immediately like pales he's like um I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that are going to be here that have a lot of problems with Colin Robbins like literally is just like "Mm, don't think that's such a good idea and she pushes She's like, well, they have to get over it. I live – or, yeah, she says they have to get over it. He says, all right, fine. You live here. You can invite him. And I feel like Brandon knows, like, this is going to blow up in her face yeah, in some way. But I don't want to deal with it right now. And we know White Knight Brandon, if something did happen, probably would still step in. But in this mm-hmm. moment, he was just like, no, it's not my thing. I think it's also interesting because we've always talked about – Brandon and Val's relationship as being a lot more sibling, Mm -hmm. sort of. But I do feel like he was more white knighty and, like, big brother – not big brother because they're twins, but, like, big brother energy with Brenda than he is Val. Like, with Val, he's almost like, you know, I'll be there for you if you need it, but you're your own person. You make your own decisions, and I can't – decide for you one way or the other so it's it's kind of interesting seeing him almost take a back seat like be informed and yeah I totally agree I think he would swoop in if needed but Mm -hmm. the fact that she was like well maybe they should get over it like very like quick quick reaction and he was just like all right whatever it's so not Brandon like maybe he doesn't maybe he is not interested in saving her I mean number one because she's not Kelly Mm mm-hmm and then number two, because he has Susan, who has needed to be saved somewhat. So he's, like, busy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like what happens with Steve and his brothers. Like, it's kind of a parallel here where it's like, okay, well, you know, Brandon and Brenda grew up together. They're twins. They're always going to be there for each other. Like, even though Brandon did not pick her side when Kelly stole Dylan, but that's a different – well – Dylan cheated on Brenda. I'm not going to say Kelly stole Dylan. That's not fair. Yeah. But, like, Steve and his siblings, like, they are siblings 
basically biologically only. Like they really didn't grow up together. They have this huge age difference. But when push comes to shove, Steve is going to take care of his brothers. For sure. Yeah. Well, and that's a lot to unpack too Mm -hmm. because Steve, he has daddy issues. Mm -hmm. Seeking all he wants in life is approval from Rush. So even if he doesn't feel any sort of like loyalty or love or whatever toward his brothers, he has to do it because this might be the opportunity that he gets approval from Rush. Mm-hmm. Which is a fantastic segue <laughs> to Steve having lunch with Rush and Austin and Ryan mm-hmm. because Rush is like going out of town for the night and it's just like, I don't trust them alone. You take care of them, which is hilarious because (laughs) why would you trust Steve with them? They kind of seem like, and and I don't mean this like rudely. I just mean like they almost seem like a dumb and dumber pairing Mm -hmm. where I don't actually think if they were left alone that they would get into so much trouble. Like they got in more trouble with Steve than I think they would actually get into on their own. Yeah, there was no way that they would have been able to find alcohol on their own. So, like, I feel like worst case scenario, they're going to, you know, order a bunch of pizza to the house and some pay-per-view and Rush is going to come home to a bill that is going to be significantly less than that hospital bill. Exactly. Or, like, yeah, like they order too much pay-per-view. They um – trash the house because Mm -hmm. they decided to jump on the furniture and try to parkour from the couch to the stairs like they break a banister I don't know (laughs) yeah it was gonna be something significantly lighter because they're just not smart enough to cause the trouble exactly they need the enablement and if Steve hadn't been there there would have been no enablement Mm -hmm. and so Yeah, all this stuff is really leading up to the party. Like, it's basically just a bunch of setup scenes to get us to the party that's the entire second half of the episode. Right. Because then we go back to the beach apartment where we're just getting, like, little bits of things. Like, we find out Tara has dropped out of high school and Kelly's, you know, taking on that older sister, like, motherly role and is like, well, you should really go back and get your diploma like that is mm-hmm. something that you should do and just like a bunch of little tidbits we see Kelly or Tara trying on Kelly's perfume and like smelling like her now and Colin's painting is back up mm-hmm. which, the same one with like the dots like what a choice <laughs> what a choice and then you know it's like this is where Tara and Kelly drink all of Claire's juice, which I feel like was a totally on-purpose move by Tara to, like, oh, yeah. get Kelly to defend her because they poured giant glasses of juice. Yeah, and you even see they're, like, not even pours, too. Like, yeah, I definitely agree. I think she did it on purpose. I think she did it, like you said, for to get Kelly, Kelly to defend her, but mm-hmm. also to kind of alienate her from them Mm -hmm. it's it's a very like it's us versus everybody else 100 percent. yeah 
And and it's getting real crowded in this apartment because Boomy made an appearance too. He had to. I'm sure I was the only one to have only just noticed Claire's highlights. No, I did too. I was like, what's going okay. on with Claire's hair? Those streaks though. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like he stepped in and was just like, okay, but Claire, we need to talk about this hair. Is this because <laughs> yeah. of the conditioner? Right? Like, oh gosh. they are aggressive. This is like 90s hair if I ever saw it. Yes, but also like somehow early 2000s hair because I distinctly remember – I don't know why, but I distinctly remember in Kelly Clarkson's American Idol audition. Yes. She had those crazy blonde streaks, and that was like 2002. It felt very – so, like, the streaks are, like, a little far back. She still has a little bit of the brown hair in the front, then these, like, bold platinum streaks, Mm -hmm. and then the rest of her hair. And it kind of reminded me – of that cartoon X-Men with Rogue where she has, oh, like, the yes. white in the front. hmm Well, and Anna Paquin did that in the original X-Men movies, too. Yeah. Like, that's what I see every time I see it. And now I just want Claire to, like, kick Go some ass. Rogue. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just, like, oh, you see these midriffs? There's a six-pack under here. And then just, like, <laughs> right? you know, full <laughs> – Buffy X-Men kicking ass thing. I would love that. Oh, but anyway, now that we've set up this, like, you know, Steve's having a party, but Val wants to bring Colin and Brandon knows about it and Kelly's going to bring Tara and Claire and Donna are not happy with them right now. We just got to, like, keep digging that grave mm-hmm. because now Val has to go tell Colin, you have to go to prison but, like, you're going to go to this party first, and then prison's not going to seem so bad. Right? Like, what logic is that? Like, he knows it's going to be bad, and she's she's a little pouty about it, where she's like, but I want to go to the party. Yeah, which is like, fine, Val, go to the party. But mm-hmm. Colin just, like, starts throwing stuff and everything. Like, he has his, like, tantrum, which I get it, like – if I were being told that I was going to prison, yes, I would probably throw a tantrum too. However, he is acting like he has a choice, right? Like mm-hmm. he's acting like, oh my God, this is so unfair. I don't deserve to go to prison. You know, like I didn't get caught red ha- red-handed by every single thing that I did. Like, I, I don't know. I Like it's so tantrum-y that I, I just, I don't care. Mm-mm. Colin deserves to go to jail. Like, I'm so sorry for any Colin stands out there, but, like, he deserves to go to jail. He just does. Like, it's it's just – I I don't understand why he's even arguing. I actually would be curious if there are Colin stands out there. Like, there has (laughs) to be someone, right, that was just, like, Colin got an unfair rap. He was set up with the coke conspiracy theory style by Tara, and this is why he's going to jail. I mean, now, if, yes, like, (laughs) no way that there is somebody like that. Now, if there was somebody that was like, oh, um, I don't even remember his his name in real life now that I'm thinking about it, but Dr. Pepper Dad got a bad rap just like Jamie Walters did, you know, Mm -hmm. like that I could understand where it's like, oh, you initially were charmed by, by Colin. You thought he was, he like could have been a cool character. And then because he's like a side 
not in the group character. He got screwed over. Now that I could understand and be like, yeah, you know what? I would have actually liked to see Colin like get a good chance here. Mm-hmm. But in this case, like, no, he had hard narcotics or is it narcotics? Yeah, it's narcotics, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know so much about drugs. Um, <laughs> he had like legit narcotics on him, knew it. And then ran away from, like, you just don't do that and expect nothing to happen to you. I guess unless you're, like, a, you know, white boy. But I was going to say, he's got the mediocre man confidence. Because yeah. he asks <laughs> about going to trial. He's like, no, 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 I can beat it. Yeah. I can no, fly this can't. plane. <laughs> if this plane is going down, even if there's no pilot on board, I can do it. He would. And he'd be high while he did. He'd be like, I can do it. Yes. Hold on. I can do it. <laughs> he totally would. There's also, I think it's Val to Colin. I actually didn't write it down. But when he's complaining and like throwing his tantrum and Val's trying to sell him on low security prison, she's like, these guys are in for fancy bookkeeping, not killing people. <laughs> like, fancy bookkeeping. Yeah. Uh, cooking the books, Val. <laughs> <laughs> not fraud. Right. It's fraud. You stole someone's money. And to be fair, some people deserve their money to be stolen. But sure. It's fine. Anyway, it's about time for the party. Thank God. We are we are getting there. We we are setting up. Everyone's bringing things. Brandon and Susan come in and they've got all this stuff and they've got beer and Austin and Ryan are immediately like, "Oh my god, let us help you." And just like grab a bottle right in front of everyone mm-hmm. immediately caught I thought it was hilarious that these two kids are like let's steal a beer one beer just one we'll split it <laughs> it's very like yeah they're like how much could a beer be let's do it <laughs> that what you just said reminded me of arrested development the yeah how much does a banana cost? A dollar? Ten dollars? <laughs> That's what it was. Ten dollars. Yeah, yeah. I do love when the kids, because at this point I was calling them the kids, are helping Steve move the furniture. And they're just like, how about a beer? And Steve just goes, how about a knuckle sandwich? <laughs> There's such, like, this is such an innocent show. I meant to look up if this yeah. episode was sponsored by, like, you know, positive family values org mm. or something you know to be like drinking is bad right right because i think technically at this point we're supposed to assume everyone in the gang is 21 that drinks like i think it's safe to assume so with the exception of david right because we haven't really but we don't see david episode, drink yeah because he's, he's sober filming the whole time and yes and he's sober because he was addicted to fucking crystal meth yeah, and then Donna – is Donna the oldest or the youngest? Does she turn 21 first or 21 last? She might have already had her birthday. I think it might just be David. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, but, like, yeah, he would be the only one not drinking and everybody else is over 21. Yep. And, like, truthfully, we don't really see them drink. When they drink, there is punishment. Or it's in a safe environment, like – the pee pad you know mm-hmm. it's like somewhere that they're paying for it not obtaining it you know illegally or you know whatever it's yeah yeah like 
Like, we don't see the gang play quarters. We see Munt's play quarters who only mm-hmm. shows up to be, like, standard keg brother. Exactly. Yeah. It's, like, related to the fraternity. Yeah. But there's this moment where, you know, they're getting everything in. They're unpacking. And Brandon looks at Steve, who is throwing this party, and is like, hey, I just got to warn you. Like, <laughs> I feel like he says, like, Colin is going to jail, but not yet. So <laughs> – I said it was okay he could come to the party. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's almost exactly it. But then, and I did write this down in quotes, because Steve goes, that's fine with me as long as I don't have to dance with him. And Brandon <laughs> says, not even the Lombada? Yeah. And he goes, Lombada me? And he goes, well, you know it is forbidden. <laughs> I don't. I love it. I just love it. I think – the two of them probably just do a really good job riffing off each other. And they probably do that on various takes just to see if any of them is going to like make it in. I would love it so much if like, yeah, that was supposed to end with like, that's fine with me as long as I don't have to dance with him. And then he was like, not even the Lombada. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, you always have to give writers credit for writing the script but nothing would make me happier than to find out that the two of them are just, like, perfect improv partners. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, because, like, yes, give the writers a ton of credit for coming up with stuff. But even if you memorize something, if it doesn't exactly, like, flow into how you would normally speak, like, mm-hmm. actors do it all the time. Instead of saying, like, you are the best, they'll say you're the best, right? Or, you know, like it's something as little as that, but like mm-hmm. similarly with this, they probably just thought of that in the moment and just added on to it, right? And and the other was just like, yep, I'm gonna go with this in the moment, right? And like it, it took me a minute to like watch it twice and have Steve go, Lombada me. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like a mad lib. It or was like, fun. Just, yeah, is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, a mad lib. Uh, yeah. Well, you know it is forbidden. <laughs> Loved it. I love it so much. Like, I just love it. I feel like Brandon has just, like, chilled out. Right? So much. It's the best. I get it. I get everything. I get why there was an influx of people named Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board. And we're finally here. The party has started. It's packed the house is going crazy there's games over here there's alcohol flowing over here there's hand passed hors d'oeuvres by 15 year olds (laughs) it's everything and david is filming it for donna to talk her way through this party which is the weirdest thing and i don't get it and i feel like they set it up at some point we haven't talked about it or maybe we talked about it last week well they have like that one moment at like the condor's nest that's where it is going over the piece but they still don't even really talk about like what the piece is and why they're doing it just more like donna wants to wing it david wants to like plan the questions but i'm like still what is the point i don't understand why anyone would commission a video of this party yeah like like, especially with how the party ends i'm like destroy the video right there should be no evidence (laughs) yeah and Like, I am, like, destroy the video halfway through the party as soon as children are on camera. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it's fine. That's what they'll do tonight. And, like, Joe is barely in this episode. 
when they have the sit down at the condor's nest, oh, he yeah. sits down to talk to David and then immediately gets up when Donna gets there. And I feel like they are just like really playing in the exit. He's got a heart now and he doesn't need Donna anymore. Yeah, because like I don't I, I don't see in my notes any part of where I mentioned Joe except for like he's here because he saw David and sat down and then later when he's feeling like sulky and needy mm-hmm. toward Donna and it's like okay we could have just not had Joe that like he's recovering from his major heart surgery no big deal I mean even when he had major heart surgery it was just I'm all better bye yeah I have a pacemaker in my heart <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they're they're planning his exit. And honestly, if I hadn't scrolled into my notes to see this like condor's nest where Joe is, I wouldn't have remembered he was there. I would only have remembered when Mary says he gets like real grumpy at the party. Yes. Again, probably because she just said it. Like Right. Right. I don't think I would have had him in here. I I got to say when they interview him and he's like I would love to dance with my girlfriend and Donna's like maybe later. <laughs> Damn, girl. Yikes. I know. Like, could you imagine going to a college party with, like, your significant other and all of their friends who, like, you've been around for a while, but, like, you know, you've been going through some stuff mm-hmm. in your personal life, and then she just walks away with her ex-boyfriend <laughs> who is clearly still in love with her? I probably would have left. Yeah. I mean... How do you not? Yeah. And speaking of not wanting to be at a party with your significant other and all of her friends when you have something going on in your life. Yeah, this is this is when Colin doesn't want to go to the party and he is insistent he that he wants off. to stay home. Yes. He doesn't want to he doesn't cuz like for the millionth time he reminds us, I don't care about your friends or I don't even remember how he references them, but like he does not care about Kelly's friends or now Valerie's friends. He just wants to be with Kelly and now Valerie, right? So my Colin stands out there. <laughs> Are you still a Colin stand? Because like, again, for the millionth time, he's reminding us how much he hates everyone else and only the person he's dating. But it's like, Val was lumped into that friend group when he was dating Kelly. So. Well, and I think what's so funny is they always acknowledge it. Like, this is when Val says, if you can make it through the party tonight with this crowd, everything else will be a piece of cake. Literally saying, if you can survive this party with all these people who hate you and your ex-girlfriend who just got out of rehab, jail's going to be a breeze. (laughs) Wild. As if Valerie what? knows what jail is actually like. I mean, she did spend like a couple of hours in a holding cell when she got arrested for solicitation. Same thing as a minimum security prison. For three months. <laughs> yeah. Wild. This show, I forgot about the Val storyline until it just <laughs> popped into my head. Oh, man. And then... Oh, there's also... That little moment with Kelly and Tara getting ready for the party where they are dressed pretty identically because mm-hmm. Tara's wearing one of Kelly's little black dresses. Mm-hmm. And of course, Kelly is also wearing one of Kelly's little black dresses. 
this is the time where Tara finds out that Greg is going to meet them at the party and just like shuts down. Oh, yeah. He says, like, basically Greg says that he's going to meet them at the party. Tara actually calls out that it's weird because he was one of their, you know, sort of doctors. And then she gets weird about him going and wants to, like, actually then bail on the party. Very similarly to Colin. I find it interesting that Tara says you can't fit three on a love seat. And Kelly just kind of brushes that off because I'm like, she said love seat, like, I mean, a love seat is just a tiny couch, and you right. totally can fit three on a love seat. You guys are very small people. Mm-hmm. Like, not even a problem. But, like, Tara is feeling like a third wheel. She is feeling like, you know, it was supposed to be just her and Kelly, and now Greg is horning in, and she's on the outside of it. Like, I feel like Kelly should really have, like, picked up on, like, this possessive feeling that Tara has. Or even, like a huge discomfort because her one person is not going to be wholly there for her. Yeah. It's kind of a weird, again, because like we've talked so many times about Kelly's like intuition and how that's really gone away Mm -hmm. in the last season and a half, I guess. And yeah, you would think like her spidey senses would be tingling here and she'd be like, "Hmm, that's weird. You know, she's getting really attached, but instead she's like blinded by the fact that like Tara needs her she's been in a horrible situation like all that plus I think she like likes the attention not Mm -hmm. only from Tara but also from Greg because it's two totally different types of attention oh absolutely like Kelly's just not seeing it yeah like she's just not picking it up and truly like the next thing we cut to is the two of them showing up at the party Mm mm-hmm And, you know, Tara, I think, walks away to get something. But Kelly stays to talk to Brandon and then Susan. And I feel like with this party, we can probably just touch on, like, the most important moments. Sure. Understanding that the teenagers just keep drinking. Yes. Like, they are just in the background drinking. Meanwhile... Kelly kind of low-key confronts her ex-boyfriend for not coming to visit her in rehab. But also, like, Brandon admits that he wanted to give her some space. Mm-hmm. And Kelly admits, like, that's what she needed. Uh, it was, like, so flirty. She was, It like, was so How is it you always know exactly what I need? And then Susan coming up and, like, putting herself on Brandon's arm. I was mm-hmm. like, just pee on him. Like, yeah. <laughs> But also, like, maybe she should. Maybe she should. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, Kelly walks away and she's like, oh, Kelly is nice. All of your friends are nice. And I was like, she's covering. Yep. She is nervous. And the fact that, like, y'all didn't, like, super emotionally change when she stepped up makes her feel better. But she's she has still got, like, a shield up when it comes to Kelly. I feel so confident. Well, and she should, quite frankly, because Kelly is the type, and this could have even been something Brenda mentioned back in the day, but, like, Kelly is kind of the person, and I'm not saying she's a bad person for this, because we've all been guilty of taking advantage of somebody else's feelings, but Kelly is very guilty of almost, like, to an extent, stringing along guys that she's been with, Mm -hmm. whether it's by subtle flirting like that, or 
even like what she did with Brandon earlier when she she like he was the only one that could get her to accept that she needed help right that she was in trouble Mm -hmm. so it's like she's very good at almost stringing these guys along keeping them in her back pocket and having some sort of hold on them Mm -hmm. and I you know I think that kind of comes back to the way we've talked about Kelly's personality of like being susceptible and like always getting in these like very intense relationships with Mm -hmm. the wrong person whether it's you know, Tara in this moment or being in the cult or being with Colin on drugs. Like, I I think this is just Kelly's personality and, yeah. you know, the fact that she is beautiful and smart and funny and all of these things just, like, kind of compounds on it. And this is why people like Steve and Brandon and Dylan and all of these guys can't stay away from her. For sure. And so then you're Susan on the other side who is also all of those things – but then you join a friend group where every single guy is in love with Kelly and like yeah it just happens it's tough yeah and i'm like scrolling through my notes i'm like i'm so bored all of this is boring <laughs> i did find it interesting when donna tells the camera that casa walsh is keg west did you hear that yeah what i think that's kind of hilarious it's weird. Yeah. Because like I said earlier, it's like this isn't just some house they like rented. This is like it, the place where Brandon lost his virginity. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think this is the first keg party we've seen. So yeah. are they just having like keg cookouts all the time off campus? I mean – I guess, you know, if the fraternity house is on campus, they are probably, like, we can drink there a lot more easily than we can drink at our place. True. Very true. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Because I did write in my notes. I was like, do I remember what college was like choosing to drink off campus that you wouldn't drink on campus? I mean, there's a reason why a lot of schools don't have fraternity and sorority houses on campus. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's because they don't want to be liable for underage drinking. Yeah. I mean, Kennesaw didn't have fraternity and sorority houses. Like, right. We just didn't have them. And, you know, they're moving around the party. All of these things are happening. Uh, Val and Colin show up and Brandon says hi. And you can just see in Val's face. She's like, this is going to be okay. We're fine. Like, Brandon is everyone else. Like, anybody else is going to be just cool with this. Right. And this is around the time that Colin and Val run into Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I know that Colin asked Kelly for forgiveness. But then I really lost the rest of the conversation because of that, like, very gentle kiss on the corner of his mouth that Kelly gave him and Mm -hmm. then turned around and just Val and Kelly are just making eyes. And maybe it's – my memory is no so good. But I wrote down that Colin quotes the Friends theme song, which is what Mary referred to in her synopsis. And then all of a sudden I got very angry and put in all caps, Kelly has been in rehab because of you and you fucked up on your own. 
So I'm trying to remember why I wrote that down. What did Colin say? Like, was he trying to have a pity party for himself or something? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because um, I got very defensive of Kelly here. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, fair. <laughs> yeah. I literally, like, I have nothing in my notes about the conversation beyond the kiss. Because Yeah, like, I, like, <laughs> wrote it down for some reason, and I just can't find it. I'm glad you did, because I guess I got distracted <laughs> by my anger. I mean – you got distracted by anger. I got distracted by like, oh my, the audacity. <laughs> How dare you? Um, He's like, jail sucks, Kelly. And she's like, wow, that must have been really hard for you. And he's like, I'm going back to jail. She's like, sorry about it. He's like, all I want is your forgiveness. And Kelly's like, I'm working on that kiss. Have fun. And then Val looks on in anger. Okay, so I guess I got mad because he, like, doesn't apologize to her for literally putting her in rehab. And he's, like, complaining about getting in trouble for his cocaine use. He's putting it on her to forgive yeah. him. It's yeah. like, just, hey, I want you to forgive me so I feel better about what I did and going to prison. Thank you. Exactly. So there's a short moment where... We see the boys are officially drunk. Austin and Ryan are hammered. They're acting goofy. And, you know, Steve acknowledges they're drunk, but it's just like, meh, whatever. I got drunk when I was 17. Right. And then David makes a comment. It's like, well, that explains a lot. I mean, he ain't wrong. <laughs> I mean, fair, but like, who doesn't get drunk like once when they're 17? Was I 17 like, or 18? <laughs> oh, I was 17. I very specifically remember, like, the first, like, party party I got drunk at. Because I got drunk, yeah. like, you know, in, like, small things. But then my friend from high school, like, she only went to school with us for, like, one year. And then she left. But her older sister went to school with us. And then she went to – I think she went to Columbus. And – all of their friends got together for a party. And so my friend invited me and a couple of other people to go because like we all knew each other and then proceeded to be like the drunk 16 year olds at a college party. Oh man. And to make it worse, like I, we were like 16 or 17. My friend was dating a freshman at her new high school, a baby. Like he was a baby. Oh, I was wow. I was in shock. I was like, oh, you're that person that's dating a freshman when you're a senior? Okay. <laughs> Jen Lindley. But she got so drunk and we were like, you can't call anyone because we're teenagers. We cannot reveal what has happened to us. Mm -hmm. She called him and he ran to her house because Did he's a child. Her? Yeah. He's a child. He doesn't have a car. He oh ran <laughs> to her house. I thought it was just because he was so concerned, but no, it was because he doesn't no. have his driver's license. <laughs> he's in a car he couldn't get, so he ran to the house to come see her because I think, like, it was very, like, drunk 17-year-old of, like, I'm sorry, I'm so drunk. Oh, no. And so he ran. It was the wildest. It was so stupid. Drunk 17-year-old. No, that is, like, me last year. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so drunk. <laughs> yeah, no, that was my first taste of Smirnoff Ice. Oh, God. Those were 
some days. <laughs> I don't miss them. My friend Lauren still ices people every time they come to her house. <laughs> I mean, I can appreciate that, like, people – that was their, like, gateway alcohol because it just yeah. tasted like juice. It's like wine coolers, but not. Sure. And then you hit, like, two years later and everyone's, like, making it a joke. I get yeah. it. They're disgusting. It's sugar, alcohol, and carbonation. Like, yeah. They're so gross. (laughs) And Austin and Ryan bringing it back might as well have had a million Smirnoff Ices because, like, yeah, like Steve just accepts that they're drinking. They have a little bit of everything. Like, whatever they Mm -hmm. can get their hands on, they're just like putting in their mouths. They're like literal literal toddlers just putting everything in their mouth well and I guess to be fair you know Steve hasn't felt the need to like full-on babysit them so as far as he knows they played the one game of quarters that months watched them play yeah and that's it like he doesn't know that they've been stealing drinks because he's been hanging out with his friends which you know probably should have been paying attention to the children or like make an announcement of like children do not Mm -hmm. feed them like you know do not feed the ducks kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like I can understand too because he's not wanting to literally watch them the entire night. Like he wants to give them some sort of like loose leash to mm-hmm. make good choices and they don't. Yeah, they really don't. And, you know, this is about the time that med student Greg comes. Mm-hmm. And it's weird Because I don't remember the exact quote, but it's something of like, oh, I was about to like, or you can call us the search dogs. And then Kelly barks. She did? Yes. She did. I missed it. She, like a little, she was rough. But I swear to God, she did it. I swear (laughs) to God. Oh my God. Why did I not write that down? I, I did not write much down, but everything I wrote down is like weird stuff because then she's like, oh, I've never seen you without your doctor's coat. He's like, oh, it's in my car. I could go put it on. She goes, maybe later. Ew, yeah. That I remember. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's important to note, like, they vibe, right? Like, they, Mm -hmm. like, because he finally showed up and Kelly asked him to dance and now Tara's by herself. So there's been this whole, like, thing the the whole episode about Tara not being abandoned whether it was Mm -hmm. literally from when Kelly picked her up to staying at the apartment to being at the party now it's she's never wanted to feel alone or be alone and now she actually is yeah and like Tara does not seem in a place mentally to be like oh I'll go find some of the other people I know at this party Mm -hmm. she is just upset and abandoned Right. And presumably for a little while longer, that's just where she is. But, like, we don't have time for that because the boys are so drunk. Like, Austin is just dancing by himself, kind of looking like a loon, you know, whatever. But Ryan is so drunk that he tries to pick up somebody's drink to be like, oh, well, I'll just drink more because mm-hmm. that's what children do. And get so dizzy, which I really did not appreciate the camera getting all wonky like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, But he ends up running outside where presumably he throws up a little bit, but then passes out. Yes. So Austin comes to get everybody. 
med student Greg comes out and says, I'm a med student, opens <laughs> one of his eyes and says, call 911, he could die. And Steve makes a terrible time. It's a terrible time for a typical Steve comment. He says, oh, too much blood in his alcohol stream. Steve, Steven. Steven. <laughs> but yes, so terrible time to make a comment like that because literally his younger brother could potentially die from alcohol poisoning because he's a baby and had way too much alcohol. Yeah, because he's a baby. No one has taught him tolerance and like moderation yeah. and whatnot yet. One especially too because it's like the whole thing of where it's the novelty and almost mm -hmm. the danger of it and the fact that they're sneaking it so they're not necessarily just like holding a beer and able to monitor exact like exactly how much beer they've drunk because they're sneaking mm -hmm. all sorts of alcohol in so many different ways. It's like they probably don't even know how much they've had. Oh, for sure. I mean, they can probably count like the shots at the beginning of the night and then mm -hmm. a blur. I mean mm – -hmm. Ryan even says in the hospital, he's like, the last thing I remember is I must have passed out. Yeah. But, you know, presume we don't see like 911 showing up, loading him up, taking him to the hospital. Like that's kind of like a fade to black-ish kind of thing over here because pretty clearly when this happens, the party gets broken up. Everybody has to leave and, you know, Colin and Val – get home and Colin is like, oh my gosh, you made my night. Everything was fine. And she starts a fight mm -hmm. because of the kiss. Mm -hmm. Fair. No, totally for sure. Fair. For sure. She's very insecure about how Colin interacted with Kelly. And mm -hmm. I get it. And also like Colin should know Kelly and Valerie have just the worst time with each other. They love to hate each other. And at this point, I'm like, finally, someone is, like, calling him out because she accuses him of being selfish, true, mm -hmm. of falling in love with any female body that keeps him afloat, also true. true. And then he tries to, like, counter-argue with her by saying he loves her. But not because of the lawyer she's paying for it. That's my favorite part. Like, I'm Mary, when God. you brought that up in the synopsis, like... I wanted to interject and just be like, who does this? Who mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't say, like, Caitlin, I love you. And not just because you have a pool. <laughs> like, although I what? Like, I mean, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if you were already, like, mad and insecure and I was like, I love you in spite of your things. Or, like – yeah. Not just because of your things. Like, imagine if we had to put a condition on every, like, thing and every time we told somebody we love them. Like, it's not just human nature to just be like, I love you, and that's, like, full stop. We had to put some sort of thing around it. <laughs> Mary, I love you. And not just because you send me YouTube videos. Yeah. Like, what? Could you imagine? No. Oh, I should have said the same thing. I should have been like, Mary, I love you. And not just because you also have a pool. Yeah. <laughs> just finding pools throughout the city and those are my friends. There's no differentiator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, okay. And then before we get to the hospital and, like, you know, wrap up yeah. Austin and Ryan and everything, Dr. Greg 
med student Greg, he's a med student, has, you know, Kelly and Tara have gotten home. He's walking them to the door and, you know, they start making all these comments about how Steve should stop throwing parties. And, like, true. True. Like, even if it's not his fault, bad things happen at his parties and, like, it's like a – it's like a karma thing. Right. I mean, I especially feel like for Kelly, like she's going to have some major PTSD from Steve parties. Number one, she got third degree burns on her body. And now number mm-hmm. two, she witnessed, you know, a person in the family. A kid almost dying. Yes. Like, ugh. Yeah. And I find it interesting, you know, they're having this conversation and then Tara kind of tries to like bring herself back to the center of attention to be like, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I'm cold. Let's go inside. Yeah. But you see Kelly hesitate and she's like, okay, fine. I'll go in. Like, just me. I'll be the cool friend. Like, leave you guys by yourselves. But the second that door shuts, she's like leaning against it, listening in. And the idea that Kelly is happy talking to someone else and she's not there. She's just like, you bitch. Yeah. And she like – Pulls on the necklace that Kelly let her borrow to the point where she snaps it, like breaks it. And it is a moment. They like zoom in on the floor with all the little pieces of the Mm -hmm. necklace falling. And she is just like leaning against the wall with this look in her eye. So now we know all the foreshadowing, all of the, you know, warnings of these relationships shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. They're now coming true. Yeah. I mean, there's there is a lot here, and Kelly's just not gonna see it because like it's a game of misdirect. Her eyes are over here when mm-hmm. the thing is happening over there. Right. And you know, then we have to wrap up these two drunk teenage boys. So, you know, thankfully Austin is not so drunk. So he is not at the hospital with Ryan, who has successfully had his stomach pumped. He doesn't need his air tube to breathe. He basically just needs to sleep off the rest of what's happening. Mm-hmm, and get fluids. Yeah. And, you know, Rush comes in, and I got to be honest, I was expecting a full blow-up. Like, mm-hmm. I was expecting this to be just yelling back and forth and, like, kind of forgetting that Ryan needs them and then, like, making that the moment of, like, you know, we have to stop what we're doing. Ryan needs us. Yeah. But instead – Like, Rush doesn't really – like, he fights a little bit, but then he's like, the most important thing in my life is my sons. Yeah. And And not just – ultimately – yeah, like, he ultimately wants the brothers to, like, look out for each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He says he wants them to be safe. That's what he cares about. Which is fine, but, like, on the one hand, I'm still like, Steve basically just met them. Like, he has no skin in this game. Like, I don't personally think it's fair for Rush. And maybe this is my own baggage about half-step, you know, non-biological siblings. Or not even, you know, the biology doesn't have anything to do with it. Also, like, siblings that you're not physically around or close to. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, just because you say that they're brothers, talking to Rush, doesn't make them brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there has to be a relationship there. And so I think I get really annoyed, like, especially when step-parents of their step-kids 
call them, oh, my son or oh, my daughter. When it's like, no, you didn't raise me. Like you, you came in here nine years or 10 years, you know, however long it's been. I'm like, you can't say I'm your child if you don't treat me the same way as your own children. And so like, in my opinion, Rush doesn't treat clearly Steve the same way that he treats Austin and Ryan. And he certainly didn't have the decency to tell Steve that he had to almost like literally about five years apart, four years apart in age until now. And you want them to be brothers who look out for each other and keep each other safe. Like, I'm sorry. It doesn't hit with me. I'm like, Steve met them two weeks ago, basically. That's the thing that gets me is like, yeah, I, I can appreciate what Rush said, but like, this is, this is new Rush. This isn't old Rush. We've never seen these kids before this season. I think maybe we saw them like one episode last. We saw them literally one other time. Yeah. They're new. And Mm -hmm. like, it has to be a mutual thing. Rush can't just say, I want you to be brothers. You have to give them the opportunity to be brothers. You have to put them in a nurturing and loving environment so that they can be brothers together rather than just like we all band together in survival mode against Rush. Correct. Or out of some sort of obligation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have a whole issue with, like, genetic obligation. But Yeah. Because, again, like, I know Steve messed up. Steve should not have had these children around alcohol. That is a fact. However, Steve was shanghaied into babysitting them when they're fully gr- – they're, like, what, 16, 17 years old? They have to be. I mean, Steve mentions that he got drunk when he was 17, so I've kind of projected 17 on yeah. them, but like I don't know. The fact that they're 17 years old and they cannot stay home alone while their dad goes out of town for one night says way more about those two than it does about Steve. So Rush, therefore, piles them onto Steve and then gets, I mean, I know he doesn't actually get mad at Steve, but then tries to say, oh, you're brothers. You should look out for each other. I just... I don't know. It, this is definitely me projecting on my own <laughs> shit. But, like, I just feel for Steve in these moments because he now is feeling all this pressure and all of this, like, liability that he never should have felt in the first place. But it's relatable because it yeah. works on him. Like, this is, you know, I don't want to call it emotional manipulation, but, like, I also want to call it emotional manipulation because – the final scene of the episode, so there's like this weird cut where Brandon and Susan are giving Austin a bunch of coffee, which is the opposite of what you should do. Yeah. That's not hydration. Right. The boy needs Pedialyte and yeah. bread. But the last scene in the episode is Steve going in to see Ryan and being like, well, yeah, you're an idiot. You almost died, but I love you. And then like basically telling the nurse like, oh, I know I'm supposed to leave, but he's my brother. And just like staying with him while he sleeps. And it's it's supposed to be sweet, but it also feels like, you know, of the era of the writers and not of the era of the kids yeah. where, you know, the writers are grown adults and they're like, they're just going to be brothers now. Yeah, because it just did not – it didn't like – yeah, it just didn't land with me. I – which, you love again, him because he almost died, but, like, you – I don't know. And, again, fully acknowledge you and I are projecting. Yeah. <laughs> fully acknowledge. But that's the point, right, is, like, 
we're watching the show through our eyes. We're seeing it through our personal experiences and it's not landing because I do feel like this is like the emotional reaction of parents and not of kids. Yes. Like your parents fully believe that no matter what you should, because you are related, you should be close or you should have Mm -hmm. some sort of expected intensity of a relationship. But it's like, that's not what creates and makes a relationship. It just gives you almost like an easy path because you happen to be related. Yeah. I mean, this is like trauma bonding and then, Mm -hmm. yeah, like you're related genetically. So there you go. Yes. I will say like, I truly do not expect to see Austin and Ryan more than like three more times in this entire show. Yeah. Same. So maybe that's also the thing. Like, I don't expect them to become, you know, a guest star for a season or anything. They're not going to like, you know, Steve's not going to graduate and get a job somewhere and then get them on as interns. Like that's not going to happen. I almost think it was like an interesting choice that they decided on two people, like Mm -hmm. two brothers. Like why couldn't you just done one brother? I would have almost like if it was just Ryan, nothing against Austin, but like if it was just Ryan and he was the one that got like all things still happened. I feel like that would actually make it better. Not only for the storyline, because then you're not like you know he doesn't have an accomplice like so to speak but then also because there's a little bit better opportunity for some one-on-one time as opposed to having to form relationships with two people mm-hmm. which would have no that would have made more sense and I almost wonder if they had initially decided on two to like make Steve a sympathetic character and make him feel kind of ganged up on from the mm. last time he was right, babysitting right. True. But then realize, like, yeah, oh, he should have an emotional connection with them. And then, like, Austin just gets left behind while I his know. brother is in the hospital getting his stomach pumped. And that's the thing. Like, I think that's the biggest difference, too, is, like, Austin and Ryan are clearly close. Yes. Clearly. And they are brothers. And, like, you say they're brothers and they act like brothers. They talk like brothers. They, they almost act like twins. But then throwing Steve in the mix, it's like, yeah, you, this is – further proof that you can't just say they're brothers and then they are brothers. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. I understand what they were doing at the end of this episode. It didn't really land with me and it sounds like it didn't land with you either. I will be again amazed if they show up ever again and Mm -hmm. I would never have guessed that the point of this episode smashed would have been Steve's little brother show up again and get so drunk at a party they have to go to the hospital. Right. No, never in a million years. Never. So what's next week where Austin and Ryan definitely will not be? (laughs) Yeah. Next week we have season six, episode 26, Flirting with Disaster. Flirting with Disaster. I feel like... I'm going to choose that that's a Tara thing. I mean, I think that's fair since that was not the last thing we ended on, but definitely a cliffy in a way. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was the most interesting thing we ended on. Agreed. I think it's going to be Tara. I'm going to start every like 10 episodes when you like give the title, I'm going to be like, Austin and Ryan come back. (laughs) Yeah. 
this is about Austin and Ryan, and they get into a classic Austin and Ryan mess around. <laughs> it's going to be like episode 31 of season eight, and I'm going to be like, Austin and Ryan come back, and they get married. <laughs> to each other. No, that's wrong. Two other people who are also sisters. <laughs> Twins. Yeah. Steve fucks it up somehow and Rush yells at him. <laughs> yeah. But Steve in the end. the flower arrangements. <laughs> but in the end, they're brothers. They're brothers. They got to look out for each other. Steve is the flower boy. Oh, my God. And their joint <laughs> wedding. He's the ring bearer and the flower boy. <laughs> I would love it. Ugh, okay. But anyway. Quote of the week. Oh, boy. <laughs> I do have one, and I did actually mention it. Okay. Ugh. Well, if you mentioned it, then I don't know what it is, because I know I was just going to say the things that I mentioned. <laughs> That's fine. Because <laughs> I was going to start with Steve and Claire at the beginning. Well, I have a thing called a hold that thought. I was kind of <laughs> hoping that you'd hold it. Well, <laughs> Oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was great, but also blah. <laughs> <laughs> And then the, that's fine with me as long as I don't have to dance with him. Not even the Lombada. Lombada me. Well, you know it is forbidden. <laughs> and then finally, I'm a med student. <laughs> I don't know why. I love it. Um, I have guesses. First, I had um, Val telling Colin, these guys are in there for fancy bookkeeping, not killing people. Yeah. Love that one. I'm, like, searching for all my quotations. Um, this one is actually also my moment of the week, so I'm going to get that out of the way. Okay. Um, Susan tells Brandon that Kelly's nice and that she likes his friends, and he just says, they're all right, I guess, and carries her into the party. I loved that when he's just like, yeah, they're fine. And then just picks her up and walks off the camera, like walks off screen. I love them. They're so cute. They had like no screen time, but they made it fucking count. True. (laughs) But that's, yeah. (laughs) But that's the thing. When Steve and Claire are together, they're just talking about penis. And then when Brandon and Susan are together, he's picking her up and carrying (laughs) her away. True. Joe being like, I was thinking of playing hard to get. And Donna goes, how hard? And Joe says, I give up. Excellent game. Literally barely talked about Joe this entire episode. And yet you quoted him. I would love if that was it. It's not. It's just like, I can't wait to dance with my girlfriend later. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> I bet you would. Bye. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I have anything else. Okay, yeah. Well, mine was when Austin and Ryan were helping Steve with the furniture, and he, he, they're just like, how about a beer? And he just goes, how about a knuckle sandwich? Because it's such a like dad joke thing to say. And it clearly shows the age difference between Steve and the boys. I really wish they had done whatever the 1996 version of OK Boomer was. Right? Oh, my God. So, 
yeah, I guess next week we'll find out about who is flirting with what disaster. Mm-hmm. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Backtopodcast. Also send us an email if you'd like to with anything you want to say at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. That really helps us to get seen and build a community and then we can give you all a better product. And, you know, if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Like maybe you're a Colin Stan. You can just go ahead and throw five stars in there and just Colin Stan. And there you go. So until next week from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm in for fancy bookkeeping and not killing people. I guess you got to commit murder to get away with anything in this town. I guess I'm willing to go to prison if you keep buying me stuff. Bye. Bye. See ya.